Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. From WABE in Atlanta, I'm Lois Reitzes, and this is City Lights. Thank you for listening. What does it mean to be American? That's the question a new PBS series tries to answer. American Portrait is a multi-platform PBS project launched one year ago and the website has received over 12,000 stories about what it means to be an American today. Later this hour, we'll hear about this series from Bill Margol, the man in charge of American Portrait, and its public mural project, which includes a work in Atlanta by artist John Key. First, The term director's cut usually means an edited version of a film or video that's supposed to represent the director's own approved edit. Director's cut is also the name of an exhibition online now, curated by Judith Pishnery, director of the Atlanta Photography Group. She joins us now via Zoom. Judith, welcome back to City Lights. Lois, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, please tell us more about the title of this show. Director's Cut at the Atlanta Photography Group is really an exciting exhibition. Each year we have a number of juried exhibitions and we do call in jurors, which could be museum curators, gallerists, photo editors, corporate art collection curators, and just a variety of people. And they pick some really fantastic work. It's always so beautiful and it's always so wonderful to see what their choices are. But that being said, they leave a lot of really good work that wasn't exhibited. And the Director's Cut exhibition is my chance to go back through all of the submitted work and look through it to the images that were not chosen by the other jurors and make my own selections and create and curate an exhibition with those still extremely fantastic and wonderful works. Mm. 
I saw that there are some photos on display that date back to the 1970s with images of the late mayor of Atlanta, Maynard Jackson, and the Honorable Andrew Young. Could photographers submit works from any year of their output? Um, yes, for some of our exhibitions, we do have requirements that the work needs to be more recent, maybe in the last five years or 10 years. But then we have the opportunities for some of the artists to submit work across their career. And the artists that participate with the Atlanta Photography Group range from very beginning new photographers. Last year, we had someone that she was chosen for an exhibition and it was some of the very first photographs that she had made and she entered them and they were chosen. And then we have people such as the work you were talking about, which is from Ron Sherman. And Ron Sherman has a 40 year career as a professional photographer. He's photographed a wide variety of, of works, mostly photojournalism and documentary work. Um, and it gives him the opportunity to showcase some of the work from his vast career. And then artists, you know, in between who have been maybe working for a few years to working for many years. So um, it gives, a wide variety of artists an opportunity to be able to exhibit their work. Hmm. Some of the photos in this exhibition depict dilapidated buildings and homes, desolate places. The impact is both eerie and peaceful. Were those photos selected as a commentary on our present time of quarantine, social distancing, and isolating indoors? Well, I think that might be part of it, because obviously we are all somewhat impacted by being isolated, socially distancing, and even the reflection on, you know, sometimes something peaceful and quiet, which seems to be where a lot of this might be going at the moment for a little peace and a little quiet. And I think some of that comes into play uh, with those images. It's interesting that the images were created pre-COVID, but a lot of them do relate to uh, the social distancing and where we are at the moment. And I just found them very beautiful, very peaceful and very engaging and contemplative to be able to look at them. Very much so. Another outstanding set of photos were those by Dale Niles, dreamy montage prints. How would you further describe them? And, and would you talk about how these works were created? Dale is uh, one of our longtime members, and she's a very creative artist. I truly enjoy um, the variety of work that she creates. And this is a series she has been working on that is composites. And they're composites from mostly existing or previous photographs. And some of them happen to be from her family. And she's 
put them together to create narratives and stories that didn't really exist, but they're just very fanciful. They're very interesting. And um, they speak a lot of kind of the creativity and the people who are in her family and how she could incorporate them into these very sort of fairy tale like composite images. Hmm. The show reveals a wide range of styles, themes, and subjects. Did having this diverse group of works determine who and what would be featured? Well, honestly, what what I do to select the works for this exhibition is I go back through all the work, which is quite a chore, but, um, but I go back through all of the work that was submitted through the exhibitions for the current year. And I just start looking at the, the images that I really love. And it's interesting how it comes together and how some of them kind of play upon themes where there's a whole section of images that are people related. Then there's another section that is all landscapes, abstracts, things that are digitally manipulated, um, as well as journalistic and documentary work. And it really speaks to the type of work that our members and the artists within our photographic community work, which is something that I love about photography, how it does span so many different genres and so many different styles and techniques that it's, it's just so fascinating to me that people can work from, um, and if you look at the work, um, the gallery is online, but if you look at the work, it's everything from traditional and historical processes through documentary processes and architecture and portraits up to digitally manipulated images, the variety and the vastness of how photography encompasses artwork is really fascinating. Hmm. I read that you are working on some wall events in a variety of locations. Would you tell us about these collaborations and where you hope to display them? We are working with a variety of different organizations to be able to move photography out of our gallery space and into some other communities, places that we have worked in the past, I can speak to. We have done a collaboration with Johns Creek Art Center. We've done a collaboration with um, the Madison Morgan Cultural Center. And we do have, currently we have an exhibition on the walls at Photo Buckhead. And we're hoping that they open soon. The work is on the wall, the library isn't currently open, but it should be. And as soon as it is, it's a really beautiful exhibition as well. And I hope everybody in the Atlanta area will be able to get out and take a look at it. One of the things that we have done almost every year for about the past 10 years is an exhibition at um, the domestic atrium at the Atlanta airport. That one was on the walls in the atrium. It has currently come down, but it is also available to view the work in our virtual galleries online. Yeah. Speaking of online, Atlanta Photography Group offers some workshops. What can you tell us about those workshops? 
We do, and, and it's part of our mission as a photographic center to provide professional development and educational opportunities. We have a few workshops currently going on, and we also have a wonderful slate of things that we are getting ready to announce for 2021. I'm still working on the logistics and the planning, but they, the workshops are open to pretty much anyone in the photo industry. And now that we are doing them online, you can really join in from anywhere from the comfort of your very own home, not traveling to Atlanta or not fighting Atlanta traffic. And our workshop ranges from creative endeavors, such as a current uh, workshop that call, is called Creative Catalyst, that has a variety of different creative assignments to really get the photographer out of their own box and thinking of photography in different ways and really experimenting with it in a lot of different ways. We also have a portfolio and project development class that's coming up. It is a six month long uh, workshop. We meet once a month and I am the one teaching that workshop and I work with the artist to develop a body of work and a portfolio, really pulling it together so it's cohesive um, and so they can be able to show it in exhibitions. Um, some people are working on books. Some people are working on really just rounding out a project and they need some additional input, which comes from myself as well as the uh, other students in the class. We have technical classes, creative, and some business workshops on the schedule, really just to round out a photographer's professional development. Lots of offerings and very helpful to the aspiring as well as the established photographer. How has the pandemic changed the way photographers display their works? The pandemic really has been quite a bit of a challenge and a change to most of us. While at the Atlanta Photography Group, we have had works on the wall. We really created a much more robust online viewing experience where in the past we didn't quite have all the exhibitions up online and I made it a goal to really get everything up there since we had many more people joining us in our online activities from online openings, juror talks, artist talks, curator talks, as well as the workshops, but really getting the exhibitions online so people could see them, not have to worry about coming out to the gallery, um, especially, you know, if anybody had any concerns about, you know, not being able to social distance. And it has just given everybody, I think, a more, uh, a more robust ability to see the work. There's nothing like seeing photography or any artwork in person, but at least with creating the online virtual galleries were able to share it with a lot more people in a lot more areas and not just in the Atlanta area. They're able to enjoy it from across the country as well as around the world. So when the pandemic ends and hopefully everyone is vaccinated, <laughs> will you continue to display photography online? 
Oh, absolutely. We'll have on the wall exhibitions as well as we'll continue with our much more in-depth and robust visual online galleries, which I think is really helpful because we have many artists um, who participate with us that are outside the Atlanta area and they may not come in to see the exhibition and they may not see the other artists work so it gives them an opportunity to see the works as well as their family friends colleagues and even people who are not necessarily familiar with us and with our artists they're able to find us online and really enjoy the work as well as all the work online is also available for purchase as well. Since lockdown 10 months ago, we've heard about the increasing numbers of those suffering from anxiety and depression brought on because of the isolation due to the pandemic. Do you think photography can be a good stress reliever? Oh, absolutely. Um, Pretty much nowadays, although being a professional photographer myself and a professional educator, it's sometimes a challenge for me to say like, well, pretty much anybody with a decent smartphone can take great pictures and they really can. And that really has made photography kind of the art of the people. They're able to do that. And a lot of people use it as reflection, meditation, um, and I even had somebody in one of my classes last year that on her, her daily pandemic walks was really just using photography with her smartphone as a stress relief, as, you know, as a meditative moment. And her photographs really revealed that. And I really think people have been doing that as well as then sharing their works across a variety of online platforms from Instagram and Facebook and other social media. And with that, I think people have felt not so alone. They've seen that other people are going through the same things they are. So I really do think it has some therapeutic aspects from everybody being able to make photographs as well as share them and share their experience and not feel that they're the only one going through this. So it's not just self-expression in this instance, it has also meant connection with others. Absolutely. And, And with, I really do have to thank Zoom for creating a really fabulous platform because I keep thinking about had, had we been going through this even five years ago, we wouldn't have had the same connection when we truly would have been isolated, but Zoom has been able to make having online meetings and online events, um, connecting with people across the city or across the country possible. And even though we may not be able to see them in person, we're able to see somebody and we're able to connect with them and, and be able to chat with them and share, share our own experiences. The Atlanta Photography Group Executive Director, Judith Pishnery, is the curator of Director's Cut. The exhibition is on view now in their online gallery. More information will be on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. 
The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Alicia Garza, founder of the International Black Lives Matter movement, has said, the civil rights movement was not one period in history, but in fact, several periods. The struggle for equality began in the Jim Crow years around the turn of the 20th century and continues today. Last August, Jackson Fine Art Gallery exhibited collections side by side from civil rights photographer Steve Shapiro and the award-winning activist photographer Sheila Pre Bright. I'm wondering how the role of photography has changed since Steve Shapiro's days when a photographer accompanied Dr. King and other leaders along the path to the passage of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. How has your role changed? I think with the technology, it has changed that. Everybody is photographing and everybody is uploading their the imagery on their social media platforms to get the news out because generation the young people, and I always say Generation Z, I'm saying Generation Z now, is that's where they go to get their news. It's not necessarily CNN, MSNBC, it's none of that. So technology and these social media platforms are the reasons why the role of photography is changing. And now since, I keep saying George Floyd, is you have a lot of young photographers and now saying, you don't need to show the protesters because you're putting them in harm ways. And I find that very, very interesting. So what they, there was a young man that written to ICP, International Center of Photography, and he wanted them to take down the recent protest images, or if they didn't take them down, is to blur the faces. So I had to think about that because I was saying, even back in Steve's day, it was the photograph that, sh- that had the power to change. And when you blur out the image, I don't think it has that same effect at all. So technology is what has changed us and everybody is photographing, you know, everybody is. Well. 
photography had a big effect in the 60s as well, in the sense that in Birmingham, when what would probably have been a peaceful uh, rally in a park, because Bo Connor turned the dogs and hoses on everyone, and Charles Moore was a photographer there, and he did he photographed all of this, and Life magazine ran it for eight pages, and suddenly America became aware of what was happening in the South. The civil rights movement was predominantly in the South. What's happened with with George Floyd is that it's really caused the entire country. I mean, the the marches throughout the country have been amazing, absolutely amazing. We just have to make sure that they don't get subverted by these violent things that happen. Yes, it went global. And I think for everybody to experience this on TV, even though we've constantly seen the imagery of black males or women being shot, this one was totally different. To see the police officer on his neck and he's begging for his life. And what really got me and brought me to tears is when he called out his mother. And I was saying, this has to stop. And these young people keep seeing this. They're living in an age where I don't know at your age, Steve, is they're constantly seeing these images on social media and it's constantly happening even after George Floyd and it's still not stopping. So can you understand, I'm not asking to you, but understand the trauma from generations to generation? I think about my ancestors, their trauma. I think about my parents' trauma because they grew up in Jim Crow era. I think about these young kids now and their trauma, and I thought about John Lewis and imagine his trauma. And it's nonstop. That was civil rights photographer Steve Shapiro with the award-winning activist photographer Sheila Pre-Bright. Sheila's book, 1960 Now, and other works can be found on her website, SheilaPreBright.com. This is City Lights on WABE Atlanta. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thanks for listening. We have PBS to thank for American Playhouse, American Masters, American Experience, and now American Portrait. The series is airing on PBS stations with an additional multi-platform presence. Bill Markle is Senior Director of Programming and Development for PBS. He joins us now via Zoom with the artist John Key, whose mural is part of the project. Welcome to City Lights. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Bill. Would you tell us how the idea for American Portrait emerged? Sure. I guess it's, you know, over three years ago now, shortly after the events in Charlottesville, we at PBS gathered together a group of us and on the editorial team and really tried to look at how, how do we want to respond to this? How do, how do we respond to a nation that was 
divided back then and seemingly even almost even more divided now. So we did a lot of brainstorming and the question that came out of that was, well, what does it really mean to be an American today? What does it really mean to be an American now? And, you know, that's a really loaded question and, and can be a very uh, politically fraught question. And so we thought the best way to answer the question is to never ask the question at all, but rather try and get at an answer by getting people to respond to one of a number of prompts and getting people to tell their stories, whether via video or, or a photo or text in response to a provocative prompt, like I was raised to believe or when I step outside my door. So in other words, prompts that would inspire people to tell a story. And so uh, with our partners in this radical media, we built a multi-platform project that is online on, and in broadcast and in, in public art and, and in these murals like we're gonna talk about today that is really designed to get at that question. What does it really mean to be an American today by creating a portrait of America, American portrait, by assembling all of these prompts and the responses of these prompts. And I, and I think it gives us a chance to see the commonalities that we share in spite of the perceived and the real differences that, you know, that, that divide us. Wow. I spoke with former Governor Deval Patrick recently about his podcast series, being American. Are you familiar with it? Yes, yeah. So he asks each guest, essentially, what does being American mean to them? And many of his guests, I guess you could say, would fit into the hyphenated American category. And their stories support the beauty of how our nation was built by everyone here. In not asking the question directly, I'm curious about any of the wording or responses you got. Did the identification and even the written responses about being American come through? You know, I think they did. The thing that struck me about the responses was just how candid they were and how revealing they were. And the fact that to get at the answer, what does it really mean to be an American today? Simply by asking someone or getting someone to complete the thought, I was raised to believe, or you know, any one of these other prompts that we put out there. You know, I, I always compare it to, you know, and, and what I know about art, you could probably fit on the end of my fingernail. I always compare it to Surat right? And the, the dots, the, the dots that Surratt would paint with. And that each of these answers is a dot that answers the question. So I think the thing that surprised me was in a time when you do anything on the internet, you, you're met sometimes with such vitriol and such divisiveness. I think the thing that amazed me and amazed all of us was that people were just incredibly open and incredibly honest. And because it's not political, because of, of the 
politically charged nature of the, ter of the question, what does it really mean to be an American? I think because we didn't ask it, they were more open mm -hmm. and they didn't go to the places that divide us as much. I'm imagining you and your staff, you and your colleagues, racking your brains, coming up with prompts. How difficult was that? You know, the project, we launched with 14 prompts. And <clears throat> I would love to say that we toiled for, for, you know, a year trying to come up with the perfect ones, but they came to us pretty, pretty easily, pretty quickly. If you go to the website now, pbs.org slash American Portrait, you can see not only the original 14 prompts, but prompts that we added in response to the events that have unfolded this year. In many ways, you know, all of American Portrait was planned before everything that's happened this year, before the, the political unrest and the, and the, and the, racial, uh, the racial unrest and the pandemic. And so in many ways, American Portrait turned out to be the, in some ways, the perfect way to encapsulate 2020. And what we ended up doing, and we always intended on doing this, was to add prompts along the way in response to the events that were unfolding. So when COVID hit, we added a prompt set that said, I never expected, dot, dot, dot. And, and people responded to that. When racial injustice you know, gripped the nation, you know, we added the prompt, now is the time to. And, 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 I, and I think one of the great things about the project it is, is that it is this malleable thing that allowed us to really address the moments the country was facing. But the prompts came pretty easy because we said, we knew we wanted to have prompts that um, were provocative without being prescriptive. In other words, they would provoke a story, but people could tell a positive or negative story. You know, so if you were to say, I, I, you know, take the, I was raised to believe, uh, well, you could go any direction with that. You could go, I was raised to believe that uh, all people are wonderful and so on and so forth. Or you could go, you know, I was raised to believe that we shouldn't uh, have immigration in our country or, you know what I mean? I think we wanted to allow for lots of different kinds of viewpoints. And, Did you get many? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, you know, we knew we didn't want this to be a rose-tinted portrait of America. We wanted it to be honest. And so we encouraged people to be open and honest. And yeah, we've had, you know, we had moderation guidelines. You know, we're not going to tolerate hate speech and we weren't going to tolerate, you know, uh, language and things like that. But, but by and large, we've had a, an incredibly diverse uh, slate of responses, politically diverse and ethnically diverse and people from diverse belief backgrounds. It, it really kind of amazing that people of all walks of life have really, have really embraced it. And I think, you know, one of the amazing things is that it has inspired so much. It has, it has inspired the, the, the programs that we've done and, and incredible things in, in social media. And, you know, it's, it's, it's inspired this artwork and allowed artists to in, interpret the, 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 the prompts and the responses people have given. Very eager to hear about the artwork from John. Before we get to that, Bill, I want to tell you that Studs Terkel's working diaries and interviews 
come to mind listening to you talk about how American Portrait has chronicled the past year. I read that you've collected more than 11,000 stories. Has no, it been? Yeah, don't, don't undersell me. It's actually over 12,000 now. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, and, and they've come from literally, and we've counted, every state, every territory, all across the country. We're really proud of the fact that we've, we've gotten responses from every place. I remember, I think American Samoa was the last one we hadn't gotten a, prompt for, uh, a response from. And when, and when we got a response from American Samoa, we were all like, yes, you know, <laughs> we, we nailed it. <laughs> you can check that box. Well, it's a four-part series. How did you choose from so many rich submissions to include what you did in the series? Well, you know, it's, it, it is a four-part series, but we also, you know, part of the, 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 the malleability of the project was that we pivoted. We also produced three specials that we weren't even planning to do earlier in the year um, that were very much about the times we were, we were, we were facing. But, the, but, you know, we always intended on doing this four-part series that's airing right now. And we went back and forth a lot with a lot of different ideas. We knew we wanted them to be thematic. And originally, again, the idea was for us to be using the user-generated material that was sent in, but also to send crews uh, out across the United States to, to capture more stories. But, of course, you know, COVID put an end to that. Mm -hmm. And what we ended up doing was sending camp – was – finding people who had submitted uh, their stories to American Portrait and saying, wow, this is something really compelling. Let's see if they're willing to go deeper with us. And so we reached out to some, some of the folks who had participated and said, look, if we send you, you know, an iPhone camera, will you document yourself over the next, you know, however many months? And, and people were willing to do it. And, you know, we knew that we wanted to have the stories connected by themes. So the first, the first episode was, was entitled I Dream, and it was about the American dream and how different people view what, what is the American dream and, and is it a myth and, or is it reality and, and you know, who, who gets the American dream and who's denied the American dream. And the stories were incredibly powerful. The second episode was entitled I Work, and it was about just that. It was about how people work and live and make a living and the folks who have careers that they love and the people who are just trying to get by and the people who have side gigs and the people who are really struggling. And again, the stories were, were absolutely incredibly compelling there. And then the final episode, which we're really, really excited about is, is entitled I Rise. And it has to do with, with the you know, people who are struggling against racial injustice. Um, and clearly that's been something that you know, has, has been an important thing this year. It's, it's been important for many, many years, but clearly this year has been a, you know, a watershed moment. Um, and so they're, together, these four episodes really help to illustrate just that, the American portrait they, of, of who we are right now. Bill Markle, Senior Director of Programming and Development at PBS, with artist and educator John Key. We'll return with more about the new PBS series, American Portrait, 
After a quick break, you're listening to WABE Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. We're back with Bill Margol, Senior Director of Programming and Development at PBS, and artist John Key. We've been discussing the new PBS series, American Portrait, a multi-platform endeavor with the goal of asking us what it means to be an American. A public mural project is part of American Portrait, and the mural created by John Key is in Atlanta. Here's Bill Margold. Traditionally, PBS has been about broadcast. That's, that's what we do. That's, you know, for the last 50 years. But clearly the world has is, is changed and, and people come at media in lots of different ways, come to media in lots of different ways. And so when we set out and envisioned American Portrait, we knew we wanted it to, to certainly have a big broadcast component, but we knew we wanted to provide a lot of gateways, as we, as we called it internally, for people to interact with the project. And, you know, you know, one of the gateways is is the online website where people can go and look at stories and submit their stories. American Portrait is in classrooms across the United States as teachers have built um, curricula around around it. It's as I said, it's been in social media. Um, you know, we're working on a book, and we knew that we really wanted it to be in the public. And as difficult as that is these days with 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 COVID and the, and the pandemic, we knew we wanted public art to be part of it and we knew that having murals in in cities across the united states would allow people to explore and inspire people to explore the project more especially if those artworks really moved them so we set out and we said look let's find prompts that we think really resonate and let's connect with artists whose work is amazing like John, and, and let's put them together and let these artists interpret the words of, of, of people from across the U.S. And, and paint them on the sides of buildings and, and, and huge spaces across the U.S. And so we've got seven cities, you know, D.C., Atlanta, New York, L.A., San Francisco, Dallas, and Chicago. Um, and, you know, Atlanta is, is, is one of the ones that uh, we're really excited about it because because the work that, that John has done is so dynamic and so wonderful. We knew he'd be a great match for, for the, the words uh, from the prompt, which are, I am not invisible. Um, and so, you know, that was the goal for the murals to really illustrate these words in, in, a, in an incredible way and allow people to ex- access them. John Key, your accomplishments are very impressive. You're still very young and they have quite a an impressive CV. Would you walk us through how you became a part of American Portrait? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for having me. So I was reached out to by Radical Media and PBS uh, with, you know, with excitement. They were saying they were doing this mural in Atlanta. 
uh, for American Portrait Series? And was I interested in designing and drawing a mural that would be activated at a part of this series? And they picked eight artists across the country and, and I was one of them. And I felt so honored and so lucky to work on this. And I was really happy that it was in Atlanta because I'm originally from Seal, Alabama. And I grew up in the South. All of my mom's and dad's family live in the South and a lot of them live in Atlanta. So I have very fun memories of growing up in Atlanta, going there for summers, going there for Christmas parties with my aunts and uncles. And so it was just another amazing kind of coincidence that this would be, you know, in a community of people that I also love. Hmm. I know you are Brooklyn-based. Is it fair to say Brooklyn is the epicenter of, we know it's the epicenter of hip. Is it also the epicenter of creatives? You know, I am, I, I love Bushwick. I've been in Bushwick for about seven or eight years now. And there are a ton of artists and art studios and galleries and murals even that are in this community. And I think a lot of people originally, when, especially when I moved here, flocked to Bushwick for the kind of creative scene. But I always like to tell people that you can be an artist anywhere. You know, it's all about finding your space and finding your voice and finding community that, that works for you. Um, and I love being in Bushwick and I, and I feel so lucky that I'm able to be here and make work. How has the South informed your artwork? Absolutely. So, you know, when I was a young kid, um, me and my twin, I have a twin, Jared's Key, um, my mom would set up a craft table for us, you know, in the kitchen. And that at an early age, we were really encouraged by our mom to do arts, to do crafts, to to paint, to explore. And then that transition over to doing things in church and doing choir and doing church pageants that moved into theater, that moved into being in band, orchestra, and all of these things in high school. And I think the South and being there and having all of these opportunities of creative expression definitely informed my, my love for, for art. And it's something that I think about a lot when I you know, moved from the South to Rhode Island School of Design, Providence, Rhode Island for undergrad where you know, I was really questioning, like, what did it mean to be a graphic designer and artist from the South? What did it mean to be a Black graphic designer and artist? What did it mean to be a queer graphic designer and artist? And I think all of these questions, my identities of who I am and my experiences and my personal stories definitely inform you know, the work that I make, how I talk about my work, and even the visuals that I see. Hmm. Would you describe the mural in Atlanta for those who have not seen it? Absolutely. So I paint in four colors. My colors are black for blackness, race, identity, green for southernness, for <laughs> the bucolic, verdant landscapes that I grew up seeing in rural Alabama, red for family, lineage, ancestors, bloodline, and violet for queerness, for thinking about my identity and how I take up space. And so this mural is really a reflection, again, on these four themes, but also thinking about um, this idea of chosen family and being really inspired by the quote, I am not invisible. 
And it made me think about my high school. I mean, when I went all the way back to high school and I was thinking about this mural and my friend group that was created, <laughs> you know, it was me and two other or three other people, me, my twin and two other friends and how we supported each other, how we didn't even know that we were queer then, but as we kind of were growing up and getting to know ourselves better, realized that we had something in common and we became almost like brothers in a way. And that support really showed us that we were not invisible, that we matter. And I think, you know, particularly growing up in the South, which is a bit more conservative than growing up in New York, you know, it is important that you find people in your life that really allow you to be your full self. And so this mural is really thinking about this intertwining and interconnectedness of chosen family, of community members, of friends that turn into brothers and sisters um, and that support. And even though we're far away, like people live in New York or people live in um, California and Washington DC and all over the place, uh, we're still kind of connected. And I think about that bond. What role do you think art plays in our nation that so desperately needs healing? To me, art is a powerful catalyst for change, for feeling, for emotions. And I think, you know, as an artist and a designer, my biggest goal and emphasis is to really try to be authentic to who I am and really try to be authentic to the story that I have to tell and recognizing that my story is unique to me and that maybe when I share my story, when I share bits of myself, somebody else can see this story, see this image or this artwork and maybe change their mind, maybe change their opinion, maybe grow empathy or even reflect on themselves, their own personal story and how that actually relates to other people and how it comes across. So to me, art is such a powerful vehicle for empathy, for communication, for sharing ideas that perhaps, you know, is not mainstream or perhaps not, um, not shared by everyone. And, you know, and I think that is, you know, that is powerful. And I think, you know, seeing a piece of artwork can make you cry, can make you laugh, can make you smile. And furthermore, it can make you think. First of all, we're in love with, with, with what, what John has, has designed. And, and, and I think it so perfectly encapsulates the idea, I am not invisible. And, and, you know, John's description about how he felt in high school and how the idea I am not invisible applied to him. I think the interesting thing about the term and why we were so excited to see John's interpretation of what was, you know, the, that came from a submission and the, that submission was about a woman who was declaring she wasn't invisible because she was struggling with mental illness and that mm. she wanted people to recognize that, you know, that there are lots of people struggling with mental illness across the U S and that they weren't invisible, but the term I am not invisible applies to so many people, so many groups that feel marginalized in some way. And I think the amazing thing about John's artwork with these intertwined figures and the amazing thing about American Portrait is that we may think we're different, but there are these things that bind us together. There are disparate groups who say, I am not invisible. They both have, they're both striving or all striving to be recognized. And I think if we can realize that, to go back to your question about, you know, what does art mean for us and how does art heal us? If we can recognize that through 
things like these murals through finding these points of commonality as different as we think we are, you know, God, you know, maybe that'll be part of the steps towards healing the, the country. Having created this fantastic project, where do you go from here? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I joke. You know, we've been working, uh, as I said, you know, this started three years ago, over three years ago, you know, in the wake of Charlottesville. And it's been a lot of work designing American Portrait and figuring it out what it is and, and, and executing on it. You know, but it's, it's part of PBS's 50th anniversary. It was you know, designed to be a center point of the celebration of PBS's 50th anniversary. And I think it's really important that it's only one part of what PBS is out there to do, which is to connect people. And that's what we do in local communities across the US, whether it's in Atlanta or whether it's here in DC or whether it's, it's any place, it's about giving local communities a voice. So what comes next? you know, more projects and more things coming from PBS that, you know, aren't going even going to be American Portrait, but they're projects that tap into these ideas of giving people a voice and, and who are we and, and what are the stories that need to be told? You know, we felt that that American Portrait has told the stories that it's needed to tell across 2020 and, you know, and, and, in, and into, you know, you know, now. But that's what PBS is designed to do. We're designed to let people tell these stories. And so that's what comes next. We keep going, we keep doing. Bill Markle, Senior Director of Programming and Development at PBS, with artist John Key. A new episode of American Portrait airs Sunday at 9 p.m. on PBA. And you can stream the series with PBS Passport. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily celebration of Atlanta arts and culture. City Lights producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. Shelley Knevey is our engineer, and I'm your host, Lois Reitzes. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at LOIS. R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. You can also follow us on Facebook at W-A-B-E City Lights. Thanks for listening to 90.1 W-A-B-E, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.